Hello, fellow nerds. Check out our network site, nerdsloth.com. You can also connect with us on social media like the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. If you like what you hear, look for Nerdsloth on Patreon and consider donating to help us continue delivering quality shows straight to your ears. If you'd like to help the shows out for free, head over to iTunes and write a heartfelt review. I mean it. Make me cry happy tears. But seriously, though, anything you can do really helps us out and we love you for it. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. I also command that you keep listening to Adrian Has Issues. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Back in episode 87, entitled The Lone Ranger, I had the honor and privilege of talking to Christopher Kamen Lee, who was the Red Space Ranger in the TV series Power Rangers in Space. And we had this great chat about, you know, comics and his work on the series. And at the end of the episode, for those of you who may not have listened to it, and I'm kind of doing a little bit of spoilers, but... He tells this fascinating story about his time on the series and how a a lot of his time on the show was spent trying to bond and connect with the stunt performers on the show because these guys were stunt performers from like the Japanese live show and things like that. And these guys like, yeah, it's kind of like a low budget kid show. But according to him, these guys are rugged. Like, you can basically hit them with cars and they just bounce right off. And long story short, we pretty much were saying to ourselves... For all these great movies and action shows that we watch, it seems like the stunt performers never really get their due. These are the people who are, at times, putting their lives on the line for the sake of, you know, some of the entertainment that we watch. And I I figured with the help of a good buddy of mine, um, I actually get to talk to a stunt performer today. And this is pretty cool because it's like everything kind of comes full circle. So, let's see, you're a stunt performer, actor, and producer, and uh, you've done stunts for movies like the Pirates of the Caribbean series, Star Trek Beyond, Iron Man 3, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and, you know, that's just a, a few short ones of your movies, but you've also done some TV work. Let's see, there's a C- CSI, Miami, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I think you have a current series entitled The Outsiders, and his IMDb page is nuts, so dude definitely gets around, Paul. <laughs> Welcome, Don Lee. Don, how's everything going? Hey, Adrian. Thanks for having me on the show. Everything's going great. Thanks so much. And it was just kind of very cool how quickly things turned around. And I was just like, I was just talking about stunt performers. And then Chris was like, I know a stunt performer. You want him on the show? I'm like, hell yeah. Why not? Uh, That's awesome. The one question that I have, and I know it's a very basic one, is how the hell did you get into stunt performing? Because that seems like, you know, some performers will do their own stunts, but you guys do like the most of the punishing stuff and even stuff that's not as grueling. But, you know, a lot of the physical work is done by stunt performers. So I don't know. Does that come from like a a bizarre, I almost want to say death wish, but that's not the word I want to use. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up with a, a pack of lions. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I was a cub, kind of similar to Tarzan, but with lions. <laughs> no, but I kind of, to be honest with you, to answer your question, I kind of, um, you know, lack of a better word, I kind of fell into it, no pun intended, but I basically came out, uh, I competed in doing martial arts, and I got started at age 14, 
And I did these movies. Um, God, I'm going to tell you, I guess you'll find out how old I am um, by me telling you the story. But when I was 14 years old, I did this tournament called the Don the Dragon Classic, which um, if you guys know who Don the Dragon Wilson is, back from the PM Entertainment Thursday Night Action Pack HBO movies, um, they're the lower budget films. So, um, growing up as a kid doing martial arts, I was like, Don the Dragon Wilson. I mean, at that time, that was huge. I mean, he's still huge to a lot of people who are martial artists. So, I went to this tournament, and the grand championship role was to win a part in his movie. And um, at that time, I went to the grand finale and lost and ended up taking second to the person who got the role. And a director walked out to me and says, hey, would you be interested in doing stunts? This is at age 14, doing stunts for kids. I'm pretty sure that's... um pretty crazy so that's how i got involved by doing that and there's a long history behind it as well since 14 years old you've been getting the crap kicked out of you basically oh yeah absolutely it's funny how it is um because there's a lot of kids who i've grown up with and you know we can talk more about that and basically how it kind of came full circle how you know competing and doing martial arts by competing on the nbl circuit competing on the nasca circuit eventually i would end up seeing the people that i would compete against and compete with and my friends that I had on the circuit, meaning that we would compete through all the United States, North America, South America, uh, Europe, Asia, and we would end up eventually work together in this business doing stunts. Coming from such a background, it's not like you came in cold. It's kind of like second nature. But I'd imagine competing is a little bit different than on a set, or is it kind of the same dynamic? The fundamentals, are, I think, are the same. I think that's why there's a lot of people who come from martial arts background who do a really great job in this industry is because the discipline that um, a lot of the people who competed, they take the same formula that it would take to win a championship. They would take to, they have the same mentality to go ahead and do well in this business. At the same time, keep themselves humble and be kept as one of Hollywood's best secrets because we don't talk. Right. And I don't know, I hope this isn't breaking any codes like that masked magician from that documentary where they basically like pulled the rug out from under every like magic show. <laughs> I don't want you to get kicked out of like the League of Stunt Performers or something. Yes, the League of Dark Shadows that will be coming after me, probably. (laughs) (laughs) As I get older, I'm watching movies and I've come to realize the amount of work, and especially since now, where there's so many big budget movies. And yet, these guys, you're kind of like you said, they're they're kind of like this best kept secret. And the problem is, you're not. Yeah, they don't talk because it's like you're kind of not supposed to know that they're there. So something that I always want to know is, does that kind of get under your skin every so often? Because it's like, yeah, I did this movie, but you're supposed to kind of create the illusion that it's, you know, not you. Right. I mean, yeah, I can understand that. But, it, you know, to be honest with you, no, it doesn't bother me. And I think majority of the people that I work with, it doesn't bother. It kind of comes under the job title that that's uh, what we do. Like when you pay for a movie to go see Johnny Depp, you're not going to pay for you know, Johnny Depp's five doubles, you're paying to see Jack Sparrow do the action. So for us, it's like, hey, we don't mind. We're just, you know, a lot of us have the mentality of that it's great to be able to do our job and we love the art of it, but a lot of us just want to go ahead, do our job and go home, eat our dinner. That's why it's like speaking of eating your dinner, you know, Chris mentioned you showed up like bruised and like beaten. So it's like, that must get interesting going out to places and it's like, you're obviously beat the shit on certain shoots. Well, you know, being a guy does not so bad, but maybe for our stunt women out there, yeah, it's probably pretty bad. <laughs> Especially when they walk in with their boyfriends or their husbands. It's, I'm sure they probably get some interesting looks from the waiters or other people like, wow, what did she do? What happened? Although m- most of the stunt women will look really buff and jacked and their husbands maybe not so much. So, 
Lately, you know, speaking of stunt performers, um, I think we briefly mentioned on that same show, I talked about Zoe Bell. Uh, I know she was in Death Proof and a few other movies. And uh, She's awesome. Right? And it's, it was really awesome to see a person who was primarily a stunt performer end up doing their own feature film. So, I don't know, has, have you ever had a chance to actually do any sort of starry work? Well, I mean, not starring work, but I mean, have I, I had like, you know, I've done like commercials as an actor and then, you know, I'll always have those like five and under kind of lines where like, you know, I'll have a scene where I'm fighting Tom Cruise and I have a moment in like night and day or something like that. And those kind of like, there's a lot of those kind of parts in there. So a lot of people feel like, you know, well, hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a wrestler or I have, you know, I'm a circ performer or I do parkour or I can do that stunt better. And then, yeah, that's great, but there's a lot more that goes in, inside because when the cameras are rolling, whatever it may be, it's kind of, you still have to perform. You can't just worry about doing your one trick and, hey, I did my stunt. I'm good for the day. No, there's a whole thing. You got to wait for that scene. There's so many takes that goes with it. Like, hey, how many times would you like to get hit by this car? I can get hit by a car. All right, great. How's take five sound for you? You want to say the same thing again? <laughs> you know, it's always funny when, you know, stunt people, everyone's always like, you do a cool fight or you do these, you know, cool gags where everyone's like, oh man, I want that guy's job so bad. But no one says I want that guy's job when that dude leaves on on stretcher. You know, fairly recently, so I've heard stories about, you know, stunt performers that some of them have actually been killed or horribly maimed or injured in doing shoots. And again, that's kind of even more unfortunate is the fact that, because they're not necessarily as well known when you find it out since there's not necessarily a name that you may identify with. I don't know. Like to me, like I think it's pretty harrowing, but then it's like on top of that, people may not even know that that star performer had a name. Right. And that's something that's kind of like kept in the community or people in the entertainment business know. And you know, being a stuntman is you don't sign up thinking that I'm going to go ahead and be famous and for people to know who I am and, and do these things. You know, being a stuntman is someone who basically, you know, who, Loves your job, loves movies, loves, you know, always was like, hey, man, like growing up playing Cowboys and Indians or, you know, like for myself, I loved, I was like, all I ever wanted to be was be a Ninja Turtle my whole life. All I wanted to be was Raphael and do that. And so when you get an opportunity to go ahead and like for myself, one of the things that I, I worked on, I um, double Snake Eyes on the first G.I. Joe and that was a childhood dream right there. And to me, I was like, I'm Snake Eyes. Like, I don't need anyone else to know that I doubled, you know. Ray Park on the show, but at the same time, for me, that's that's just a, a personal goal of myself. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And uh, you know, and having that experience in itself is all the gratification that I need for the job. I don't need anyone else to be like, oh, hey, you did this. Hey, you did this. Hey, you know, majority of that stuff is all Ray. And let me tell you, just on that note, you'll work with a lot of actors, and they're like, well, how come someone physical like Tom Cruise, or even say Ray Park, in that matter? You know, how come those guys, if they're supposed to be physical people, why do they have doubles? Well, the whole reason is if Ray or Tom Cruise ends up falling down, that shuts down production. Right. Stunt guys, we're a dime a dozen. They'll find five of us. We're on standby. And basically, hey, if I get hurt, bring in the next one in. Bottom line, we're expendable. Tom Cruise, Ray Park, they're not. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, you really are like the true expendables. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now, something that's fascinating, though, I just realized you said Ray Park in which, uh, Snake Eyes, but it's kind of ironic, because isn't Ray Park himself, isn't he a stunt performer? Yeah, it is, and, and I think that was a, the hard thing, and I think, you know, as, uh, you know, majority of the stuff that, all the fight sequence and so forth, that's, it's Ray. You know, I may have lined up a shot to where, you know, they did an, an OTS on myself, so it's, it was harder, it was, first of all, that's a hard, costume to breathe in we had little to no space to breathe through our nose or through our mouths and eventually we just ended up 
cutting through the lips so we can A, fit something to drink in there or breathe at least. So with that being said, you know, I think I would just basically tag in, tag out with, um, with Ray to do those things. But, you know, like I said before, I would do the dangerous things. Like I would go ahead and like, if you saw the, the, the run up and jump off the bridge onto the Hummer, that's what I did. You know, if Ray does that, then that loses the whole mystique of his fighting style. And, you know, Ray has a certain way that he moves. And when you watch Snake Eyes, how can you not see Darth Maul? That's very true. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, Ray, don't jump off the bridge because if you get hurt, then uh, we have Don Lee here who looks like a hard style martial artist and doesn't really look like Darth Maul. We want to see Darth Maul and Snake Eyes. That's way cooler. <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's cooler, but, you know, they can always reason it off in a movie and be like, oh, Cobra Commander shot him with some sort of like, you know, <laughs> laser gun and it caused him to move differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was traumatized by uh, by the bus hit. All of a sudden, now he's a hard stylist. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> there you go. There's a movie being right. hit so hard, you automatically change fighting styles. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the uh, messed up part is, maybe I shouldn't play on some of the, uh, the cluelessness of the audience, but I'm pretty sure that's one of those things you wouldn't have known until, like, years later when they do, like, those, oh, things you didn't know about G.I. Joe. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Considering that the nature of some of the movies that you've worked on, because I'd imagine, like you said, you had to also perform a Snake Eyes and, you know, wear the suit. So have you found yourself having to actually not only performing stunts, but possibly performing stunts under, you know, any sort of makeup or prosthetics? So I'd imagine that presents a whole new set of challenges. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's you know what? That's a really good question, actually, Adrian, because... It's so funny, like when you go to like to like the gymnastic centers, like we have a training gym called JAM. JAMS, by the way, stands for joining all movements. And it's like dancers, stunt performers, gymnasts, martial artists, movement people. I mean, literally, you'll have a lot of people who like say for Avatar, for example, Avatar two and three are being prepped right now. So people will go there and work out routines. So they'll go to their auditions and hopefully get, you know, be one of the blue guys. Anyhow, that's the place where you go and you're like, you're in your gear, like being like your sweats, your workout clothes, whatever it may be. Now go ahead and add a very constricting suit where you can't move. You're probably more than likely going to rip the pants when you kick above your waist. <laughs> um, you'll probably rip the sleeves of the arms because you got to move. And they go, hey, we want you to twist and flip now, Don, and kick. And you're like, great, I can't because I, and I'm in this costume. And then there's a lot of times where they're just like, you need to move in that costume. I'm like, great. And then you just rip their $250,000 costume. And they're like, what were you thinking? <laughs> so it's it's funny how that kind of, it's like, okay, well, what do I do here? So basically, I think everyone's gotten really hip to all the different kind of movements. And it's really cool when we've worked with a lot of designers, especially on that show, G.I. Joe's. They're like, you know what, Don? What can you move in? What can't you move in? And those are the pros, man. When, you, when, you're, when you're working on like bigger budget things, usually they'll be, um, they'll take in mind the fact that you're a superhero. You're going to have to go ahead and move a certain way. So what can we do? Can we add a gusset here? Can we add here? Where do you feel the comfort to do the, the best job? And they'll end up having two suits. They'll have the stunt performer suit, which is the one that has all the little movements because you're not focused on detail. And then they'll have the hero suit. And that will be the suit that you will see on the close-ups and you'll see the details. Right. So that's usually kind of the trick of the trade on that. But in doing shows where you necessarily don't have a stunt suit and you necessarily need to keep it on one suit, um, yeah, you're going to have to make it work and do the best you can without hurting the suit. So that's suit work, which by the way, um, let me just give out a shout out to 
the Alpha Stunt team who is on the Power Rangers and from the person that you interviewed before this interview, what spawned this interview, those people are legit. They are legitimately like crazy nuts and lack of a better word, they're all badasses. Alpha Stunt team is amazing and they're one of the probably the best leading stunt performing teams out there. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Like they were out of their minds, but yet at the same time, it was like much respect because like I said, they, at least from what he had told me, these guys, like, you wouldn't know that this was, like, a kid series. These guys are playing as if this were, like, the most intense, you know, martial arts action movie ever. And not for nothing, that kind of discipline and regimen. I mean, I, I watched that show and, like, looked at myself, like, yeah, I'm not doing any of that shit. Are you kidding me? No, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, that's, that's, that's the craziest thing because a lot of those guys, like, I worked on, like, Common Rider. I worked on Mask Rider. I did, I worked on the original Power Rangers as a putty. I did a lot of these things as well, and I was in these suits. And FYI, if you guys haven't noticed, if you ever see the yellow or pink ranger doing some crazy stuff, not saying that the women didn't do it, just watch the fight sequence, and if they fight a little bit like a man, they might have something taped down below. I'm just saying. Just for fun fan stuff, you know what I mean? That's not discrediting the women. Stunt women have the hardest job there is. I will say that as a stuntman. Stunt women have the hardest job there is, and the reason is because their outfits, they show skin. They can't wear a pad. This is on the real. Some women cannot wear pads. You can barely wear anything. So when they hit the ground, I cringe every time because that is legit. When they got to do a stair fall or, you know, you think of Patricia Arquette, think, think of True Romance. James Gandolfini fighting Patricia Arquette, throwing her against a glass shower. That was legit. That's legit. So, <laughs> yeah, my hat's off. Stunt women don't get enough credit for being badasses. They're, uh, they're tougher than stunt men. But, hey, if the budget is, hey, we have five stunt guys here and we have five rangers here, we're not going to go ahead and hire uh, two more stunt women. We'll just go ahead and uh, tape some certain parts and uh, make it work. It's Hollywood. We can do anything, right? That's almost more painful than having to wear constricting suits because that's constricting on a completely different level. You do what you got to do, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Just take it as a, a free Brazilian. We'll leave it at that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. By the way, on, on certain things, there's one thing that stunt performers always get. We get, we call them in the business, we call them ADJs, which is stunt adjustments. So, um, so what's the adjustment for this gag? We'll always talk about what that, sometimes you'll talk about with your coordinator if you're doing something pretty scary or whatever it may be. Or sometimes to be honest with you, hey, you're there part of the job. You shouldn't expect that much for your adjustment. But when you're getting hit by a car or you're, you know, doing an 80 foot high fall, yeah, there's, some kind of talk that goes into what what's going on. So um, usually one veteran to another veteran, respect. New to the business, they might treat you a little different, but they'll always be fair. Oh, wow. Rules and regulations of being union. Honestly, you're a stunt performer, so is that still under SAG or is that under a different branch? That is all under SAG. SAG after union, that's to be correct. You mentioned Power Rangers a little bit earlier. You didn't by chance get to work on that at all, did you? Because that movie seems to be doing very well. Yeah, you know, I would have loved to have worked on that. But funny enough, I haven't, I didn't work on the film itself, but I have been working with the Yellow Ranger, uh, Becky G, which she is awesome, by the way. Just an awesome performer, great actress, and on her personal life, on a personal level, she is an amazing person. Recently, I just did a uh, Teen Vogue ad, and that was my first time working with her, and she was awesome. And then I just did yesterday, I worked on a core water commercial with her that she talks about what's important at her core. And, um, yeah. I honestly was a little hesitant about the new movie because I'm like, look, I grew up watching this and 
you know, it, it's the nostalgia can be a blessing and a curse because obviously once you find something that gets rebooted, you know, it's like it's hard to kind of see like a new version. But I've been hearing great things and just from friends of mine and, you know, it's, it's doing very well at the box office and, you know, they're talking about doing like five more. So I'm like, that's it's cool. Like it's like Power Rangers are in again and I no longer feel weird about talking about it so much. Yeah, it's actually really cool. You know, I definitely went to go see the movie this past weekend and uh, was pleasantly surprised. It's nostalgia for me because, A, I grew up watching it and then be able to work on it as a teenager and then now see it as an adult, you know, revamped. I have to say, man, I like the revamped version a lot. It has to deal with a lot of teenagers that are dealing with modern day problems versus the whole campy Saved by the Bill that does martial arts. Not to pay any disrespect to any of the Power Rangers before this, but it's a different thing the one than the one that uh jason david franks was in because i think that was probably the most to me was the one that i watched and the one that i felt was probably the most popular one but it's different from that you know it's just updated right i should say you know it deals with people's problems nowadays versus you know and back in the 90s it dealt with problems back then you know i was just telling our buddy here chris about it and just saying hey you know i related to power just because i went to high school you can kind of put everybody in a box which you know, you try not to, but you can understand, relate to and go, oh, yeah, I can see this happening and seeing these situations. And, you know, it fills that hour of time and you can relate to it. Nowadays, I'm sure that a lot of teenagers can probably relate with the uh, with the new Power Rangers. Right. And it's one of those themes that really doesn't go out of style. And I think that's why, you know, talking about things like superhero movies or things like that, where there are certain themes that no matter who the actor is or what the property is, there's certain things that are just always end up being universal. Correct. So the thing with Becky G, is there a particular release date or a place that people can check that out at some point or it's still in the works? I would definitely just go and check out Becky G at whether it be her Instagram or looking at Core Water. She definitely has this thing that she's doing with Core Water about giving out free swag where she talks about what's at her core, you know, which is going to be about, you know, her music, her her fitness, her family, her love life. And, you know, and she has a really cool thing. So if you guys get a chance, go check out Core Water. And the water, by the way, is awesome. <laughs> I'm actually drinking one right now. Nice. Chris, Chris and I both are. Thank you, Core Water. <laughs> yeah. It's from the shoot yesterday. So thank you. That's awesome. But I have to say, I, I a lot of people that I've worked with, and I've come across a lot of people, and that's not discrediting most people, but I have to say, for someone who's uh, at the age 20, Becky is 1,000% uh, a professional. Sure, her awareness on set and us doing a fight sequence, she said one of the best lines that any stunt person can ever hear. She's like, I understand that you're my partner and not my opponent. Because a lot of times when you fight actors, they get so amped up and they think, oh my God, I got to like, seriously, I just watched Conor McGregor fight. I think I'm going to just smash you, dude, because you're a stunt guy and you can take it. You're like, dude, I'm take 18. I don't want to keep getting smashed. Like, we have to dance together. It's physical dialogue. It's something that's rehearsed. It's not just because it's violence that we have to be violent. You're acting. So just act violent, but it's a dance. It's a choreographed dance. And that's something that Becky, I think, from her music career was really good at. So when I worked with her and did this fight sequence, with her, she was great at it, and she told me that. And it's, she was funny. Not many people, not many actors or actresses will ever say, "Well, Don's in this monster costume, and he's got to wear this outfit." Which I did. I had to wear this whole like uh, Wawa Wah Wasby kind of outfit when I fought her for the first time. And she's like, "Do we see his feet?" And like, "No." They're like, "Then Don, you don't have to wear those horrible shoes." Like, I'm like, "Well, thanks, Becky. I really appreciate that." Most people won't even think about what I'm wearing for my feet or even my comfortability. So that was like honestly like just an a one of her A plus qualities that she had. 
You know, I could have been there opening night, but it's like, no, I'll sit back and see how it goes. And now I'm kicking myself because it, it's looking like it's really taking off. And that's really cool that you got to be a part of that, and at least in some fashion, at least with uh, one of the actresses. Yeah, go see it, you know, any age that you're at. But honestly, you probably miss the young kid crowd, which is great. So no one's talking during the movie. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, go enjoy it. I think it's an awesome flick, and uh, I think it's really cool. And there is a lot more story behind it. And I know there's been, like, mixed reviews on um, the character that played Rita. I thought she did a great job. So let's get into some of your TV work. I know uh, you had mentioned it briefly while we were getting things set up. A TV show you're on, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it is The Outsiders, correct? That's a correct. Uh, I just did season two of The Outsiders on WGN Network. So I don't know if you're able to give like a quick little premise as to what The Outsiders are about. I guess in a short version, um, Outsiders are basically, it's a show about a whole like society that lives that live up in the Appalachians and they're mountain people and the modern day society kind of wants to interfere with the way they've been living their lives for the hundreds and hundreds of years. And the two kind of collide which there's always like a treaty behind like an understanding between the town and the people in the mountain. But these big city people come in, try to take over, want to take over the mountain and there comes conflict. And there's a lot of little storylines that kind of go into it, but that's kind of the gist of the show. It's a really interesting show. And one of the things that I love about this show that um, I'll talk about and send it sound like someone who's just trying to pump a show out. The um, cool thing about the show is that it really talks about, at least when I watch it, there's a really cool innocence to like a, a, a character. One of the characters I dealt with named Hassel. Kyle Gallander plays a uh, great actor, great person, great friend. He, um, little things. He basically like, there's a lot of things. If you really think in our society, we don't need. And it really makes you think late at night, especially right before you go to bed. Like there's things we want and there's things that we need. We don't need a lot of things that we have in our life right now, but yet we put so much time and energy and, emphasis on these things to just basically put on the things that we need for essential of life. And it kind of touches on a lot of those things. So to me, that's one of the cool things about this show. Wow, that's really cool. And like I said, I haven't heard about it before that, but um, I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, guys, check it out. We're gearing up to go to season three, and uh, I'll probably be taking off here in the next month or so as we go back up there. So now you say it's like mountain people. So where exactly do you film this? We film this in uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. See, I'm thinking you're actually like in the Appalachians, like in like the friggin' wilderness. I'm like, okay, wow, you guys commit. <laughs> I have to say this: Pittsburgh is a hidden gem in America. It's actually a really great place to work. I remember watching this uh, Jason Bateman movie. I forget which one it is, but he basically was taking a taxi cab going to the airport, and the flight lady, "Hey, I need to get a plane out of here. What's the quickest ticket or the first flight out of this town? I just got to get out." She's like, "Pittsburgh." He's like, "Anywhere but Pittsburgh." So I always thought Pittsburgh was maybe not the best place to go and visit or go work. But actually, it turns out to be quite the opposite. It's awesome. I love Pittsburgh. So if you guys haven't been to Pittsburgh yet, go check it out. Um, there's a lot of cool places to eat. They've really redone the city from what I've told because um, it's kind of a weird mix. I always looked at Pittsburgh as being something that came from like gangs in New York from Martin Scorsese. And then a few blocks later, it looks like that's something that came from the projects all of a sudden. And you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then oh, go to like glass, like cool buildings like you're in Vancouver, Canada. It tried to trip me out. I was like, wow, this is a crazy town. And one of the best things about Pittsburgh is the people. They're a bunch of blue-collar workers who are, who are all about going to work, going home, and eat their dinner. They, you mind your business, they mind your business. If you need help, they'll help you out. And um, they have the best Steeler fans and best Pirate fans. And um, I didn't go into any of the hockey games, but I'll try to see if I can get into a couple of those 
this coming year. But yeah, the, um, I went to, had a pleasure of going to a few Steeler games and Pirates game and their stadiums are awesome and the fans are awesome. <laughs> now I feel so bad because, um, one of the episodes I just did, I, <laughs> one of my buddies, he's a, a hardcore Steelers fan and also a Penguins fan. So of course they spent the whole time, you know, roasting him and I'm like, oh gosh, now it seemed like. <laughs> Now, of course, on this podcast, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm hearing this great level editor, Pittsburgh. <laughs> and it's like, I can't do the same thing because now people in Pittsburgh, if I have any listeners there, they've immediately turned us off. I'm like, look, I don't know who this Adrian guy is, but he definitely has issues with us now. <laughs> Who's your football team? Giants. Ah, well, if you want to roast me, you can because it, I, I, I'm used to it. I'm a Jets fan. Oh, see, I can't roast you, though, only because, look, we share a stadium. We both play in Jersey, but honestly, we're not going to be able to get the Giants away from New York, but not for nothing. They should just call the New Jersey Jets and get it over with. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be real. Where's the stadium? <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. Like, we have both teams, and yet we pretty much <laughs> loan them out, and not for nothing. I can't ever talk shit about the Jets, only because I always feel bad for them. Like, to me, like, they're kind of like the Islanders in a way where, you know what, they, they try as hard as they can, but they just can't see, they just can't seem to get out of their own way. Fingers crossed, man. It's tough, but I love my Jets. <laughs> see, exactly. So, like, you're local. So, I, I can't talk trash, especially when it comes to sports. So, that's okay. <laughs> I feel you. It's kind of like the same thing what we have with the, the Lakers and the Clippers. Yeah. Oh, which in that case, I, I, I have a buddy out in LA and I know he's like a hardcore Clippers fan. And even he at this point, cause he would always, you know, we'd always text and he'd be, you know, catching me up on what's going on with the Clippers. And even he hasn't been talking about them. So it's like, now I know things are dire. <laughs> you know, anyone who's like a, a New York fan, uh, if you're an LA fan, you, you tend to love both teams no matter what, because it represents your city. Pretty much, and that's kind of what's great about, you know, like you say, you mentioned Pittsburgh, because not for nothing, in that area, I've never been there, like, at least in the Pittsburgh region, but those are diehard fans. I, I agree with you, and they, they do, and how I know Pittsburgh has the best fans is because I went to a Jets game, obviously, I went to my whole Jet swag, and they're like, John, you're going to get destroyed over there, they're going to kill you over there, I'm like, and they're like, I don't care if you're a stunt guy and you get beat up for a living. They're going to beat your ass when you go over there. I go, really? Let's see what happens. And I just wore my stuff because, hey, if there's not me, then who are you guys going to play? Yourselves? Come on. So <laughs> we went in and I went in with a bunch of Steeler fans and they were great. I mean, did we get our butts kicked? Yeah, we did, you know, but it didn't stop me from cheering, you know, cheering my team on and, and having a good time. But the fans were great. None of them, it wasn't like I went somewhere else and people were trying to like beat my ass or you know, throw F-bombs at me or just swear at me and be like, how could you wear that? They were like, all right, yeah, it was like a good bantering competition. I mean, I really didn't have two legs to stand in because we got beat pretty bad that game. But at the same time, man, I was happy to see my team and I just thought it was really cool for the fans to be that, the, you know, the way they were. They're just, you know, having fun and being respectful at the same time. There was no threats. My life was not in danger. Which, as a football fan and a hockey fan, I'm like, wait, you went to a game, and it was good-natured, and no one got hurt, and there were no threats. Are you sure you were at the right arena? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, even as a kid, the Mighty Ducks, I loved those movies. I loved the team. And my dad had gotten me, like, this really awesome starter Ducks jacket, which, you know, starter jackets in the 90s were kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he takes me out to a game, and I'm like, this is great. Um, The Ducks are playing the Devils, and obviously it's Jersey, so let's go. And I'm, what, 
eight years old, nine, and I am completely unaware of the fact that the Ducks are like bitter rivals of the Devils. And I'm like, having grown men and women curse you out. Wow. Wow. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I thought it was unfortunate, but granted, my dad's a cop, or at least uh, he used to be a cop, he's retired, but, you know, it was kind of cool to watch him, like, flash badges at people. <laughs> it was just like, yes, I kind of <laughs> want something to go off. You had, your, you had your own security for being a child. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, oh, yeah. Man. But I swear, those games when the Ducks and the Devils would get together, like, you want to talk about the most intense fights, and I'm talking, like, clear the bench fights, and, like, as a kid, you know, I've never seen that type of melee, like, in person, and I don't know, I think it might have worked me in a sense, but it was just kind of like, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was back in like the old, um, well, it was Continental, but it was like the Brendan Byrne Arena at Meadowlands. Oh, geez. Yeah, Brendan Byrne, uh, the old days. <laughs> if your if your dad wasn't wasn't there, I can imagine that turning into a stuntman possibly in the future. Oh yeah, I was gonna say it's like um, I mean, most of the <laughs> fighting I've had to do was usually trying to get my way out of concerts. But no, yeah, those those Devils and Ducks games. It's like you know what? I was this close to probably becoming a stunt performer. <laughs> Speaking of stunt performer, let's get back into the movies for a little bit. Okay, was there a particular movie or a particular shoot that? you would say it was probably, like, one of your favorites? Because, I mean, you've worked on a lot of stuff, but was there one in particular that you can recall where it's just one of those geek-out moments? That's a great question. I mean, there's a lot. When you ask me the question, there's a lot of things that, you know, play in my head. But I got to say, one of the um, geeked-out experiences i ever had is actually fighting Tom Cruise in Night and Day, and that was an awesome experience. And, um, man, that guy's awesome. It's weird because I don't know a lot of the stuff that people say about him, but I can tell you from my personal experience and working with him for two months, I thought he was just top-notch, professional, did a great job, physically talented, definitely probably better than a lot of stunt people that work in this business. Tom, is he's a professional and he's intense about his career and he's intense about his craft and you know he's not someone that's there to waste time. He's there to make a movie and, and, and deliver the best product to his fans. And, um, you know, it sounds like I'm plugging him, but the God honest truth is, is that, you know, in fighting him and, and, and working with him, sometimes you have people who are like, can you just punch me over here? Can you just do this? Tom was like, can you make this more intense? Can we go harder? He's like, is it okay if I go ahead and hit you in, in, in the solar plex this hard? I'm like, yeah, you can go harder. I'm like, oh, that felt like a girl punch. He goes, really? And then he really, I mean, just gave it to me and it was awesome. It was like, wow, man, that's like, you're in that moment and he loves to build that energy and that vibe. And, um, I just really appreciated that about him. And, Obviously, I geeked out because he's Tom Cruise. I mean, I grew up watching him, and it was awesome. Here I am fighting him. So, that was definitely a, a really cool moment for myself. There's other cool guys like Channing Tatum. He was awesome. He's always awesome. Channing's just, you know, he was playing Duke, and I was playing Snake Eyes. We had a fight sequence, and we trained and worked together for, you know, six months of the shoot. And um, he's a great guy, too. He was awesome. But I would say definitely, um, yeah, I had a, a good time on that show. Shannon Tatum really doesn't seem to get, I mean, yeah, he's a name, but not bad for a guy that I remember when I first saw, like, Step Up, like, what, almost 10 years ago? <laughs> I never would have thought that this guy would, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of him, because again, everybody right. needs to start, but at the same time, I never would have thought in a million years that this guy in this kind of cheesy dance movie would be, like, 
one of my favorite performers. Because then by the time, you know, you get to like, let's say like, you know, the Jump Street stuff and you know, things like that. You know, he started out kind of being like this one thing, but has like kind of fearless in a way as far as like approaching roles. Because, you know, he's done comedy, he's done drama, then, you know, he's done like Magic Mike. I mean, th- the guy is entertaining, even when you don't expect him to be. So, again, I know that sounds like a weird thing to endorse, but yeah, I, I feel like he never really seems to get his due. You know what? I, I agree with you on that. And I think, you know, to me, everyone thinks they kind of think, oh, Channing is a dancer. They think step up. They think he's just a good looking guy. Kind of gets everything maybe handed to him. It kind of just seems to be working all the time. That guy's legit. He works hard at his craft. It's not easy remembering dialogue, people. I mean, you got to read a script, but remember all that all that dialogue. You got to have a brain, too. So I agree with you. He did, that guy should definitely um, deserves a lot more credit. He's, he's great. And, and above all, he's a professional. And more than anything, he enjoys his job. He loves his job. So, and he's, and I gotta be honest with you, he's cool to everyone on set. He's not just cool to, you know, uh, his cast or the director. He's cool to the stunt guys. He's cool to makeup wardrobe. He's cool to extras. He's just there to have a good time. And that says a lot about a person as well. There's a lot of times where people, hey, they got, you know, if they're around people, sometimes people don't want to go around the background and stuff like that. I'll tell you that's one thing. Background doesn't get enough credit. The background talent in movies and television shows, those guys deserve a big hand and, and big ups because uh, those guys have the most brutal hours. They're you know one of the first people to get there, go through hair and makeup, go through prosthetics, go through all the works, and then hurry up and basically wait. That's their process. And they're there you know, for the whole shoot. They're there you know, 14, 15 hours, 18 hours, and they're, they're getting paid minimum pay. I would say basically what a, you know, Probably minimum wage or so, but that's what they signed up for. And to be honest with you, that's how I got my start too. As it wasn't just the whole Don the Dragon Wilson thing. I had to go ahead and earn my SAG card, and so I did a lot of SAG, uh, a lot of extra work as well to get where I'm at today. So you know, kind of just seeing everything on the way up. You know, that's definitely one group of people who don't get enough credit because they can make or break a movie. You always see that you you watch Braveheart or you'll watch all these battle sequences, and then you're like, man, that's really cool, and that looks everything is filling out. But if you really watch a few of the sequences, you'll see things where it's like. A guy's just swinging the sword and kind of like doing his own little world, and that will totally pull me out of a movie. And you think you're not in the movie, but if you rewatch the movie, if you're a fan of the movie, you'll go ahead and you'll see it a million times or whatever it may be, and then you'll see if the background's legit. They're doing a great job, and it doesn't pull you out of the movie, which is awesome. I don't know if it just came with age, but also being something of a film geek in training, because I know there are friends who can dance circles around me with their film knowledge and what goes in and out of them. But, you know, something that my dad had always taught me, and not even just in filmmaking, aside from professionalism, which is something that, you know, we stress very highly on this podcast, but also just appreciating the work that everybody does because you know it's not just the actor who shows up it's not even just the person who films in but it's like everybody whether it's someone who's doing makeup or even just is doing something like craft services like everybody is there and all those names and the credits are there to make this product what it is and you're right like i I think those people in the background don't get enough credit for the things that they do yeah, it does. It takes a village and, you know, they're all, they're all part of the process. And, uh, yeah, crafty, especially. I mean, hey, we can't work if we don't eat something, right? I, I think what you hit, hit the nail on the head as far as, you know, you mentioned that you didn't just start out, you know, doing this day with Donna Dracken Wilson. Like you earn your stripes, you paid your dues by doing extra work. I, I think that's kind of ties into something that we talk about a lot in the show. You don't forget where you came from and, you know, being appreciative of the people who, helped you and are still helping you get to where you are and continue along your career because like I said we see the other end of things where and we've seen it and it's unfortunate where 
you know, sometimes certain talent will kind of let it go to their heads and, you know, they, they start sort of going a little Hollywood, if you want to use that term. But, right. you know, like you said, like there's a lot of people who are working on these movies and these TV shows that are not making multi-million dollar deals who are basically just earning like, you know, basic, like you said, like minimum wage. And it's, you know, it's a little unfortunate because you're you thinking to yourself, it's like, you know what, they should be able to earn more than this. But at the same time, it's like, you can't do some of this stuff that we do unless you loved it or at least had some appreciation because otherwise, why bother? Absolutely. I agree with you. It's definitely a, a passion project. Going back to the Power Ranger episode, we were discussing the work of stunt doubles and how good stunt performers are and the fact that there really isn't a major award. Now, I also know that there's a Screen Actors Guild Award for stunt work, if I'm not mistaken, which I believe you've actually been nominated for an award, which is also very cool. But yeah, like, it's kind of unfortunate that even, like, let's say in terms of, like, you know, the Film Academy, that they've yet to really recognize stunt uh, work. And again, I I think that's kind of unfortunate. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about stunt performers being recognized in, like, formal award ceremonies. You know, I got mixed reviews. One, it's it's, it's nice to go ahead and be recognized. We also have the uh, the World Stunt Awards called the Taurus Awards. That Red Bull uh, sponsors. So that's kind of like within our community and lets everyone know, like, we get recognition from that. And that holds some clout to other performers because it's kind of like our own little award show, our own Oscar show that we have for ourselves. And like I said before, you know, stunt guys, we're not here to be famous. We're not here to be known. We're here to go ahead and do our job. And we do it because we're passionate and we love movies. We love doing cool things. And, and more importantly, we love it when we do the cool things that are life threatening that are captured well for directors. What we hate doing is doing a stunt and, you know, a a good camera trick for anyone out there that's listening about action. Action always looks best when it's coming towards lens. So when you have a director who's like, hey, I want this, you know, this guy goes flying away from lens 200 feet. How am I ever going to see that and injure my performer at the same time? So as a stunt coordinator, you know, you try to help them and give them the most dynamic shot. So, you're actually using that shot and that doesn't get cut on the editing floor. As far as stunt guys getting the recognition, like I said before, I don't think people do it to be recognized among the world they, or rec- do it to be recognized to have a career within our community. I have mixed feelings about stunts not being nominated. You know, throughout my career, I've kind of been like, yeah, why is it not? And then as I've gotten older, I kind of realize two things. One, would it be awesome to get an Oscar? Hell yes, who would not want an Oscar? After freaking Lutley, I want the Golden Man too. <laughs> I'm not sure if we even know how to probably act or speak in front of the public if we won one of those things. We might just do a backflip or I'm not sure exactly if we accepted an award. But let's be real. Yeah, would I want an Oscar? Absolutely. Hand it over. I'm, I'm in. Sign me up. I would love to go to the awards and do those things. But at the same time, the, the, the feeling that I have about it is, listen, Think about what's one best picture. Think what it takes to win an Oscar from an actor standpoint, from a costume standpoint, from a director standpoint, from an actress's standpoint, all these things. Everyone goes through extreme lengths. Think about Jared Leto headed to the Dallas Buyer Club as far as being dressing up as a woman and losing weight and so forth, putting his body through that. That's just a performer doing that. Now imagine you're going to get a bunch of crazy guys to do the biggest stunt to win an Oscar you may very well kill someone trying to outdo the next person. So, would I like to think that our community is better than that? Yes, I do think that. But at the same time, there might be that one person who really wants to break through and says, yeah, I want this huge Save It Private Ryan 
thing where a guy gets blown off a tank and then these guys get, you know, this, this tank shoots this thing and this building blows up and then tanks runs over these people and we did it legit and it looks real and someone gets hurt. It's like, okay, for what? For an award? It'd be awesome. You know, if we can go ahead and pull something off like, you know, they did in any of the superhero movies that you see. And that would be a cool thing. I mean, I think it'd be cool to kind of, you know, hey, let the superhero movies get inside the Oscars. I mean, look at Logan. Logan was a great film. You know, that was story first and then the comic book character complementing the story. And that was, a, to my opinion, a very well done comic book movie. You know, were the stunts awesome in Logan? Yeah, they were. They were really good. How about Deadpool? That's awesome. You know, that should be definitely be. Yeah you know, nominated for a lot of the, the cool action sequences that were into that. And um, and you think of Hacksaw Ridge, that movie, did, have, you, have you seen Hacksaw Ridge? No, not yet. Listen, I get it. It might be a little slow in the first hour, but you watch the a- action sequences, that battle sequence is by far the best battle sequence that has been done, in my opinion, since Saving Private Ryan. And um, that movie was phenomenal. There was uh, the camera work, just watch the camera work. I don't want to give out too much, but some of the shots, they're not chopped up. They're not cut to go ahead. We see the guy in a flamethrower and then we cut to the guy being lit on fire. So that means to me that we see the shot where it tricks everyone's mind where you feel like, okay, cool. We see the flamethrower ignite, then cut to in the edit. There are guys saying, hey, three, two, one, let's prep the guy on the burn. And then you show and you jump cut to that and it kind of makes it look like in the added and post where they add the flame to the guy being put on fire. Oh, wow. That's kind of how you get around those shots to where this shot, you see the flamethrower ignite and you see the guys get lit up. There is no jump cut. And on my head, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then these guys are being blown up by grenades the same time they're being lit up by the flamethrower. I'm like, where's the wire work? Where was the cut in that? And that's something like that blows my mind. So you can tell I get excited about this because it's it's filmmaking. And that's something I want to be a part of when I watch a movie like Hacksaw Ridge. I'm like, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, so to me, it's like, okay, cool. Well, Hacksaw Ridge, they did, you know, 30 Firebrands. I think they won an award for, for uh, Best Stunt Ensemble, too, from SAG. So I know the coordinator and uh, second unit director, Mick Rogers, um, who has been Mel Gibson's uh, stunt double for a long time, who also did Braveheart and was a second unit director on that. That guy is a filmmaker. He's awesome. But someone will probably look at that movie and be like, let me go ahead and outdo that. Let me do, you know, instead of being... 10 burns done at once. Let me do 50 burns because I want to go bigger and better and we can do this. And I want to win that award. I want the gold man. So there's a con of that. Is there some kind of pro in us being recognized, being like, hey, I, you know, a friend of mine, say for example, hey, I've doubled Tom Cruise for the last 10 years. It's nice to go ahead and get recognized from the Academy and being a part of this. Yeah, that's cool too. But does it, ask yourself as a viewer, would you think less of your actor if you knew he didn't do the action? Yes and no. I mean, granted, I guess maybe I think differently. Like, okay, there's that whole suspension of disbelief where, for instance, if you're going, let's say, the Avengers, like, you know, when Robert Downey Jr. is, I don't know, fighting Loki or something like that, then you want to believe that that's actually him fighting him. But also, it's like, I am also an adult who also knows that at some point, somebody yelled cut. And they all got up. This isn't necessarily real. So, I mean, will it necessarily spoil the movies? Like, not necessarily. But I guess it also depends because I know, obviously, different strokes for different folks. But I'm at least adult enough to know that there's no actual Iron Man fighting, you know, this guy from space or whatever. So, I don't know. That's my take on it. But maybe people will feel differently about it. Yeah. And let me ask you this question then, Adrian. So, when you watch 
say, for example, an Iron Man movie or think what's one of your favorite superhero movies that you're like, oh, my God, I love this. I would say Captain America Winter Soldier, hands down. Yeah, one of my favorites, too. That, that was awesome. And uh, the stunt team on that was amazing. When you're watching Captain America and the Winter Soldier fighting and they're doing this whole fight with the shield and the knife and the choreography, do you ever think to yourself, oh, that was done in a cut or was that a double or do you think those things when you watch that fight? Honestly, did you ever think of those things? I mean, simple answer, no. I mean, maybe on certain rewatches, you know, because like I said, when you first see the movie, it's like, I have this thing, especially when it comes to like comic book movies, because as a giant dork, you know, the first <laughs> time I see it, you know, totally absorbed. But then, of course, as I watch it on like DVD or Blu-ray, I kind of start noticing certain things and it doesn't really kill my excitement for it. But I, I guess I, I get what you're saying, though, and that's actually a really good way to pose that question. So, man, you got me. Yeah, no, it's cool because the, the reality is that then if you don't think about those things at the time, then those filmmakers and that stunt team did a great job because you didn't think of any of those things. Now, if you started to watch a scene where it pulls you out of the movie where an audience member, you're like, huh, I wonder how they did that or I wonder how this happened. Because I got to be honest, like movies, they're semi kind of ruined for me because when I watch a movie, I'm kind of like looking at the cut. The angle, the edit, how do they go from there? Do they, why did that seem like it crossed the line? I'm not sure. And I think of all these terms in my head and how they do it because I myself one day want to be able in second, my goal is to second you direct. I want to direct action. So and that's, what we can have a whole conversation about that down the road. But the thing for me is though, I'll watch it from a different perspective. So it's so hard for me after being in the business to watch a movie and not think of those things. But when I, the times that I do watch a, a movie, say for example, John Wick 2. My mind is so blown away by all the action. I'm not thinking, why didn't John Wick have time to use the restroom or have a protein bar? He just had this <laughs> energy for 72 hours. And if you're that guy thinking, why didn't he use the restroom or he didn't, go watch The Notebook. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, those things shouldn't apply when, when you're watching something that's really cool action. And I think as a, you know, performer, as a fan of action, my job is to go ahead and give you the entertainment to where you don't think about anything else other than what is going on. That you don't think, wow, I wonder if that's a double. I wonder if that was really Keanu. Was it Keanu? Was that common? I don't know. Because if you're thinking of those things, then we failed. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. You weren't to be speechless on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To me, as you know, when you coordinate a film or you're part of the stunt team, you have to think of these things. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a cool thing because. You know, Chad Sahowski was one of my first mentors, and I'm so proud and happy for him and uh, Dave Leach, who Chad and Dave, they directed John Wick 1 and 2, and now Dave Leach is doing Deadpool. Yeah. Because those guys just opened the floodgates down for people like myself who basically do this. We call them stunt previses for work. So, we'll go and not saying that, hey, regular directors can't shoot action. It's just that they're busy filming, making a movie, shooting dialogue. They hired a stunt team to basically go film, and we do these things called stunt previses. So we'll put this whole sequence, this action sequence together. This is the cool part about being a stunt guy um, from one of the things that I do. We get to reinvent what we think the scene looks like, and we'll go into a warehouse. We'll go into a gymnastics center. We'll get all these blocks and kind of set up the scene. And whether we get cardboard boxes and then we'll get all the, you know, we'll get all the airsoft pistols and then we'll shoot the whole fight sequence 
And then basically we'll put the film together, we'll edit it, we'll put in blood, we'll put in the special effects of the bullets, the muscle flashes, all those things and tell the story that way so the director can kind of get the idea of what we think the vision is. And sometimes they'll love it, sometimes they'll hate it. Sometimes they're like, just shoot me a master. I don't need to see the cuts. A lot of the times they're like, that's interesting. I didn't think about this being shot this way. Let's use it. And then all of a sudden, the time gets busy and they're like, you know what? Why don't you shoot second unit on this Don or why don't you help the second unit director to one day someone believes in you and goes, okay, you should go ahead and be a second unit director. Now with Chad and Dave on that, becoming real directors, that's how they started. That's what they did. And basically, now look at them. They've taken, they've taken off. They've opened the floodgates for, like I said, guys like myself to be, hey, you can go ahead and shoot action and you can shoot you understand the project you understand the dialogue you get the scene and the best way i can say it is that what stunt people do we are the physical dialogue of the scene it takes time and rehearsal and that's one thing that sometimes movies nowadays are like listen we don't have it in the budget you got one week to kind of give me a whole john wick sequence or give me something from the matrix and you're like those guys had months in preparation you know why would you not do your due diligence and just give them the time to rehearse these things and you're going to go ahead and give me an actor who basically can probably be fi- very physical and given the proper time, look real legit. Look how much time Keanu Reeves has had to do John Wick. And throughout his career, for all the action that he's done, come on, Johnny Utah, you know what I mean? To Neo, to, you know, um, Jack and Speed. That's pretty good. I'm not even looking at any internet thing. This is off the top of my head. Do I think Keanu Reeves deserves to go ahead and be one of the best action stars out there? Absolutely. Definitely. And he's legit. And so he spends a lot of time doing that. And I think that if you want a project to look good and not fake it, you got to spend the time doing it. And, you know, here's, I'll tell you one of my biggest beefs with films. You've seen the movie Troy, right? Yes. And you see the part where he's Achilles and he's going to go ahead and your best man fights my best man. He has a sequence where like Achilles, he comes out, he runs, he does a side Superman punch, right? Stabs a guy in the neck. Right. How many movies... In television shows, from this moment on, no a Superman punch. Did you know what a Superman punch was? Huh. That is true. <laughs> no one sees that. So, my, my thing is, as someone who wants to go ahead and deliver you an action project, so we're doing this whole movie, Adrian, you're like, this is really cool. And I'll tell you, this really buns me out because, like, you know, um, you'll see in a movie, Salt, Angelina Jolene, jumps off a wall and does a Superman punch. It's like, okay, I've seen it. Like, did you really need to put that there? It's like a director who basically goes, I just want a cool action and say, I did this move too. And we did this because everyone talked about that move. And I really strain from doing that because those specialty moves are not used correctly. It doesn't really help pitch your story. All of a sudden, like we're doing, you know, as you see Jason Bourne and he's doing this whole fight sequence and it's a hand in hand. It's very close in combat. All of a sudden he does a parkour movie and he does a full twist and he looks like Captain America. Does that make any sense? No. That completely pulls me out of the movie. Right. And I think a lot of that, too, you know, going back to due diligence is, you know, it's funny how these themes kind of keep coming up in the last handful of episodes. But we I don't know if maybe it's just the culture. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure someone with a little bit more uh, research will probably be able to tell you exactly. But for my money, it feels like we kind of tend to have this thing with chasing certain trends. You know, it's like, I mean, look at the Matrix when after that came out, bullet time was the action scene du jour where every movie, (laughs) whether it was a sci-fi action movie to a comedy, I mean, they did that that bullet time gag, even in like Deuce Bigelow. You know, it's like when you get one of those things that's popular, everybody kind of wants in on it. 
And, you know, everybody kind of wants to sort of do that. I should say everybody, but a good chunk of people want to do that certain thing, even if it doesn't make sense because, you know, like I said, he saw it in something else. He thought it was cool. Now everybody's doing it and, you know, it is kind of troublesome. And it's hard because it's hard to reinvent the wheel. But I, I think I get what you're saying. Instead of necessarily trying to do something that's either popular or even trying to do something revolutionary for the sake of doing so, sometimes it just needs to make sense in the context of what you're doing. Yeah. And, and listen, in every business, if people see in, in business and sports, if anyone sees a formula that's working, everybody wants to get it. Uh, everyone wants a Gronkowski on their team because they think that formula works. So everyone's going for big tight ends. You know, that applies into film. Everyone thinks like, hey, superhero movies are the way to be. You know, look at Logan, for example. You know, it's so visceral. It's so like hard. Like, like I loved Hugh Jackman's performance in that. And um, I love the fight choreographer, Steve Brown. Great job, man. He basically sold the story of being old and his claws hurting when they come out. And everything he did was like such a struggle. It wasn't easy for him anymore. That to me is what one of the things I loved about the story and, and, and just how the, his fighting style was, you know, how many times have we ever seen Wolverine get his butt kicked like that before? Don, thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing your thoughts with me. And I feel like, okay, even if there's not necessarily, you know, a major awards at like, let's say the Oscars, but I think at least knowing this story and people hearing the story will hopefully kind of at least inform them as to what really goes on in a movie. Like, it's not just, you know, celebrity shows up, grins at the camera for a couple hours and they leave. It, it's work. It's hard work. And, you know, it takes both stunt performers and everybody working together. You know, that's the same type of mentality that ties into, you know, the comic book creators that I talked to or even musicians. Like, it's all a collaborative effort and no one really does it alone. But at the same time to shed a light onto something that I feel that people should know more about, you know, I'll never, you know, give up an opportunity to do that. So thank you for sharing your story. I appreciate it. You got it, Adrian. And again, thanks for letting me be here to, you know, to tell some of my story. I appreciate it. And if yourself or your fans or anyone has any kind of questions, um, please let me know. And if there's ever a chance to do a part two, I'd be more than willing to do that. Absolutely. But um, before we go, though, if there's any other sites or things like where people can connect with you or some of your work, uh, please feel free to do so. Yeah, I would say definitely, you know, if I was anything to promote is definitely check out Outsiders Season 2. It's on WGN Network. It's on Tuesday nights. And um, I believe we're on Episode 9. By the time, I don't know when this podcast airs or whatever, we might be at the finale. So, if you guys have a chance, check it out. And um, if you have On Demand, watch the show. That'd be awesome. And then um, I would definitely say hydrate with your core water. That would be my second definitely shot out. And uh, follow Becky G. She's an awesome person. And um, yeah, that's it. For everybody else, I hope you really enjoyed this episode and all of our social networking information will be handled by the lovely Eileen after the ending theme. And that will do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue.
Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please be sure to visit adrianhasissues.com to stream or download our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at Adrian Has Issues, on Instagram at Adrian Has Issues Pod, and follow us on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the Satchel Podcast app, available on iOS and Android. Adrian Has Issues is a proud member of the Nerdsloth Network, home to such great podcasts as Nerds on Tap, Cinefreak Critique, and Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom. Visit them at nerdsloth.com.